Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back to the Equine in Theory podcast. On this week's episode, I am going to do my best to walk you guys through the two vital skills, in my opinion, that you need when you get started with clicker training, and I'm going to go over how you do them and why you should do them, as well as some etiquette and quick tips. So let's just jump into this. Okay guys, so this episode we are discussing how you get started clicker training and uh, there's actually a blog post to go with this podcast and I'll be dropping a video um, on my YouTube channel as well. Um, the blog post can be found at jetequithery.com slash blog. It's called How to Start Clicker Training and um, it has a lot of information but it's organized probably more so than this podcast so I highly recommend you guys go read that after listening to this if you haven't already, you fake fan. And <laughs> kid. Anyway, so I start by teaching targeting and then I teach manners over protected contact. And I will get into the hows and whys of that in just a moment. Um, but this is this is how I start. And um, one of the main reasons for that is because I want to be able to work with my horse out in the paddock at Liberty with no ropes on her and nothing separating us. Um, so ideally <laughs> I don't have a horse that is all over me for food where I feel like I'm going to get trampled or eaten alive, um, for having some alfalfa pellets in my pocket. So, um, that is why we teach this first. Um, you know, I mean with Zoe, I taught smile first, but, um, you know, that's just an easy little trick. Uh, and then I immediately went to targeting and, uh, the manners lesson. I don't know what to call that because manner sounds kind of like, ugh, but, good cough. Um, but I mean, that's essentially what it is. You have to teach horses how to behave around food, which leads me to a small tangent that I have to go on. <laughs> I feel obligated to. Um, so there's a really common misconception around working with food with horses, and that is that they're going to start biting or become aggressive. And the there are a few reasons that horses can become aggressive um, when you have treats, and that's usually due to operator error. And um, a lot of us don't know how to train horses how to behave around treats. And I mean, I at least I never did until I started clicker training. And, um, you know, we just have a horse that's in our space and we're kind of like, here, take the food, go away. And um, but what you're doing when you do that is you're reinforcing them being in your space looking for treats. And you can't fault the horse for this. They're not inherently rude or disrespectful or whatever anthropomorphic words we'd like to use for them. Um, it's in their ethogram to search and forage and look for food. And, you know, they do that out in the paddock all the time, looking for nuts or good grass or whatever. They wiggle their noses around and hunt. <coughs> I'm dying. <laughs> um, but when they, when they know that you have food, it's natural for them to look for it and they search. So you can't get upset with them or be like, oh, this horse is rude and just smack them on the nose or poke them and move their nose away um, because it's really not their fault. They don't know what else to do. You haven't taught them how to behave around food. So that's sort of the purpose of this podcast and these skills that you need to instill in the horse is to teach them how you'd like them to behave around food so that it's safe for you to work with them at liberty and um, work with food when you're in the same space as them. Um, 
So, you know, if the horse is close to you and you feed him, then he's going to learn to be close to you because that's where food comes from. Um, whereas if you feed him away from your body, then he has no reason to bring his nose into your chest or pockets or anything like that because he never gets reinforced for doing so. Um, so that's honestly, in my opinion, the quickest way to get rid of the quote unquote mugging behaviors. So now jumping right into how to get started. Um, actually quick pause. We are first going to talk about some little minor etiquette things to keep in mind when you start. So the first thing is I recommend starting with a mechanical clicker. I would not recommend starting with a mouth sound. I know a lot of people are really excited to just go ahead and get started and they're like, well, you use a mouth sound, so I'm going to use one. And you know, there's a variety of mouth sounds out there to choose from uh, and they're free. That's the best part. But I can also assure you that clickers are not expensive. You can literally go to like a PetSmart and get them for 99 cents or you can order them for a few dollars on Amazon. Um, but I highly recommend starting with a mechanical clicker, um, just because it's one less thing that you really have to think about. Um, because as trivial as it sounds, when you're working with an animal and you're watching for behaviors, you're thinking about how can I set this up to, you know, have the animal do it correctly and, um, looking for the behavior, waiting for it in anticipation. And then you also have to remember to make a mouth sound. Like it's just kind of a lot. Um, and also the thing that happens a lot is people will say good boy or good girl or yes first and then make the sound and that makes the sound useless. Um, so I would start with a mechanical clicker and it just helps you improve your timing at first. And then if you'd like, you can switch to a mouth sound or you can stay with the mechanical clicker forever. I mean, it's up to you. Um, but I, I would recommend starting with one just because it keeps things a little bit simpler. And the next thing is obviously using a primary reinforcer for your horse. Um, if you want to know more about primary reinforcers and what all that means, you can either look at my glossary page on jeticwithyuri.com or you can listen to some of the earlier episodes of the podcast as well as like why I use a clicker. I also have a blog post about that. Um, or an episode on this podcast about that. Um, if you're a little bit confused on what the purpose is and why that works, why it's effective. Um, but anyway, using a primary reinforcer like food or scratches or anything that your horse likes. I personally find it easiest to use food. I use alfalfa pellets. Um, it's really hard to overdo them and they don't affect the horse's stomach negatively like a bunch of the sugary treats will. So you can use a lot of them and the horses aren't going to just blow up and become those fat horses that everyone imagines when they think of clicker trained horses. Um, so you can use those. And then the last thing is related to treats. Um, keep your hand out of the treat pouch until after you click. It is so easy to preload, especially when you're finding yourself waiting a hot minute <laughs> on a behavior to happen then you'll just find yourself reaching in and holding it and waiting. And I don't like doing that because um, then it sort of detracts the horse for a moment, um, especially beginner horses that haven't been clicker trained and like are new to things. It can be really distracting for you to reach and just be holding food. Um, and beyond that, it can also become a marker signal. And um, in the same way that the clicker predicts food, you reaching in and pulling out food also predicts food. So it can become a marker signal and you don't want that. So a good rule of thumb is just to remember, don't put my hand in the treat pouch until after I click. And this also helps work on patience. So um, I don't know, that's kind of like anthropomorphic, I guess. But 
and in the same way that you're working on manners, the click says food is coming and there's no need for you to be all over me. It's coming. Trust that. Um, and that's another reason we don't believe in treatless clicks. <laughs> um, so just feed every time. It's good, good things to remember. Um, so the last thing that I want to say before I jump into the how-to side of it is to remember that all horses learn at their own paces just like humans. I don't know if you guys struggle with math like I do, but I learned math a lot slower than a lot of other people because it's just not my forte. It is the reason that I did not have a four point in high school and the reason that I have a four point in college because I don't have to take any math classes. So um, it's really it's really important to keep that in mind because some horses, um, even I found training out here, some horses pick both skills up in the same like 10 minute training session. Other horses, I have to break it up and do a few training sessions in order to get everything done. And some horses, it just takes a little while for them to understand what you're asking, especially if you're new to it and maybe your timing's not superb. It can take a little bit longer. And, um, you know, it also depends on the horse's prior history, and there are a bunch of factors that go into it. So just be patient with them, and if you find that your horse is not picking it up correctly, I would go back and review um, either tutorial books that you've picked up, like Humane Science-Based Horse Training, that's a really good beginner book, or um, my blog post, or come back and listen to this podcast and see if maybe you missed something. Um, because I promise the training works, and if it's not working, I hate to say it, but it's usually operator error, um, especially with more complicated things. I've realized that. I'm like, I'm not asking this question correctly. How can I ask it better so that the horse understands that setting up environment, the A and the ABCs, the antecedent behavior consequence, science words. Um, <laughs> anyway, so now we are into the how-to after 10 minutes of me lecturing. <laughs> um, but there's also something else I have to go over first. So when you start, so your first session will be over a fence or over a stall door. And I know that seems for a lot of us who are used to just like getting on and riding and, you know, interacting with our horses without something in between us. That's like, uh, this is a step backwards, not forwards. Um, but you're training something totally and completely new. And when working with horses with food, we have to take a lot of precautions to ensure that we are safe and successful. And protected contact is the best way to do that. So when you're first teaching a horse how to behave around treats and you're teaching manners and targeting, work over either a stall door or a paddock fence or an arena fence, anywhere that separates you and the horse. And if you don't have access to something like that and... Um, Maybe you can build like a reverse round pen where you have like little stakes and some uh, tape or like tape up. So there's like a little man-made round pen that you can work with them over. Just something to separate you and the horse. Um, I like to work over stall guards. Um, I just find that that's easy when the horse is in the stall. And um, the, there's a few reasons for that. Um, mostly that it keeps everyone safe. So if you start working with food and you're in the stall or in the paddock with the horse and they start getting all over you and are on top of you, you might have to, you know, punish them to keep yourself safe. And that's not what we want to do. We want to set the environment up to where you don't need to punish the animal. And uh, trust me, it comes full circle to where you can work with them in the paddock and then you will never have had to punish them for it and they will still have learned how to do the correct thing. 
Um, because with punishment, you just tell them what they've done wrong and you don't tell them what to do instead, which is why I prefer reinforcement because you say that was right and everything else that didn't earn them reinforcement, they understand, well, that didn't work, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, so it also, well, in, in that same vein of you not needing to punish the horse to keep yourself safe or like, you know, bopping them on the nose or pushing them, um, that could potentially fall into the category of punishment. Um, but it also keeps the horse. Oh my God, there's a bug in my shirt. <laughs> um, it also keeps, sorry, this is podcasting. Um, it also keeps the horse safe from you. So they don't need to be punished and they don't experience that. Um, and it just, it helps you be able to step away if the horse starts getting all over you. You can just like step back a little bit and then it still gives you the opportunity to reinforce the behaviors that you like. Another really useful aspect of protected contact that's not everyone's favorite is that it also allows the horse the freedom to leave. And usually in their stalls, they have hay or in the paddock, they have access to grass, um, which helps with food anxiety. So if they have free choice to be able to leave and go eat their own food and they don't have to work for it that keeps you from being the only food resource and then they're not like super anxious and worried about getting to the food and that is also really beneficial when you first start it can be frustrating when they just like leave and go eat and you're like well now what mostly for most horses you can just hang around for a few minutes and they're just taking a brain break you know like if you're doing a bunch of homework and you need to take a brain break think of it like that and um it's not a problem you don't have to get the horse's attention immediately just let them have a break and they'll come back and uh, because believe it or not horses really do enjoy this work um there's this concept called contra freeloading and you can look into that yourself. But essentially, it's the idea of like working for food instead of just having it readily available. It's the reason I'm able to go out in a paddock with Zoe and run around with her and she'll play with me and chase me and, you know, trot in order to get some alfalfa pellets instead of just grazing when it's basically the same thing. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I have talked long enough about protective contact. Basically, keeps the horse safe from you. It makes you not need to use um, positive punishment or resort to things that you might not like. And it helps just keep everybody safe and allows the horse a brain break if needed. Um, so where we start in protected contact is with target training. So target training, um, I think that it's the clearest way to introduce what the meaning of the clicker is. Um, because at first the clicker sound is completely arbitrary to the horse. It has zero significance. So you have to charge the clicker, so to speak. And I prefer doing this over just clicking and then treating, clicking and treating, which is another way to charge the clicker. Um, but I prefer it, it being introduced in a way that the horse also understands that the clicker means you've done something right. Um, because if you just click and treat randomly, all they learn is the clicker is a predictor of food. They don't also learn that their behavior is tied to it. So I think it's really important to first use an object that relates to the food, if that makes sense. So, so for instance, if you hold up a target, the horse touches it, you click, and then feed them. Gradually, they learn that that means I did the right thing, touching the target earned me the food, and food is coming. So they learn a plethora of things from that versus just arbitrary clicking and treating to quote-unquote charge the clicker. Um, 
So how you start target training is you can hold up, you can actually buy a target that has like a little buoy on the end of it. You can glue a tennis ball to the end of a whip. Um, or what I would recommend starting out with horses is starting with like holding a Gatorade bottle or an empty supplement can or something um, that's not like a long object that resembles a whip. <laughs> I would not start with that. Learned my lesson with that with Mac. Um, but just hold up some random object that your horse is not fearful of and um, have them touch it. And if the, at first they're not willing to touch it, maybe they're a little on the fearful side, reward them for moving their nose in the direction of it. And what you're going to do in a step-by-step process is hold up the target, the horse moves towards it and touches it. You click the second their nose touches the target, then you remove the target from their sight, then you reach into your treat pouch, give them a treat, and then let them chew for a second and then represent the target. And the reason you remove the target is because it becomes a cue. You can introduce a verbal cue or a hand signal or whatever, but the presentation of the target is the cue itself. So they know when that is there to touch it. And um, it can be beneficial later if you're like moving it something and you don't want the horse to follow right away to use the word touch or target <coughs> to use a verbal cue. Um, that can be helpful. But just starting out, just keep in mind that it is a cue for the behavior. So you want to remove it each time. If you leave it up in the horse's sight, they're not sure when they should and should not touch it. And it just muddies the waters a little bit. So hold it up. Horse touches. You click the moment their nose collides with the object. Put the target down. Reach in your pocket and feed. And when you feed, make sure that you are feeding away from your body. Um... One of the things I learned at the Alexander Curlin Clinic was to feed where the perfect horse would be. So don't feed them with their neck all curled up into their chest where they're behind the vertical, because <clears throat> that's bad for their neck. Um, feed in a like a neutral position where their head is in between their shoulders and they're like dead straight. And you don't want to feed close to your body because, again, that can encourage the mugging behaviors. If the horse is never rewarded in your space, they have no reason to be in your space. So if you feed away from your body, they just like stay there and then wait for you to bring it to them. Uh, and that also helps a lot in the next lesson. Um, so what you'll notice first, likely, is that the horse touches it and then you click and treat and they go, oh, treats, and then they completely forget about the target for a moment. And all you need to do is if the horse is starting to get all over you and mug you a little bit, you can take a step back. Because remember, they're inside the paddock or inside the stall and you're on the outside. So you can move away if needed. Um, and then you'll just represent the target and wait for them to find it again. For some horses, this can take a little while when they're first starting. They haven't made the connection yet. Um, but when you first see that moment of them going, aha, I've got it. They just had this little epiphany that like, ah, I see what's going on here. It's the best thing to watch. And then all of a sudden you start getting this really high rate of behavior. Um, but first it's a little slow going, but, uh, if you find that it's still not really working, it's likely your timing with the clicker. So make sure that you're clicking at the exact moment that their nose touches <laughs> the target. And, um, after you do that several times, the horse will start orienting to the target immediately. So when you hold it up, the first thing their nose does is touch the target. They're no longer looking in your pockets or sniffing you. They're just going straight to the target. You click and then feed away from your body. 
And once they've got that down pretty well, if it took a while, I would recommend taking a break. I would really recommend taking a break anyway. Um, and just sort of leave a pile of treats in their bucket or on the ground and just remove yourself for a minute. Um, the reason we leave a pile is to counteract the potential negative punishment. Um, and I know that's a complicated, um, concept and you can go back and listen to the what is positive reinforcement episode of this podcast or my glossary page on my website um but essentially negative punishment is removing something to decrease behavior and we don't really want to do that here um but when you leave you are removing the horse's access to the game uh to enrichment and also to food and to working for food and playing and having fun because horses really do enjoy this so it's always nice to leave them a pile of treats so it counteracts that a little bit and it gives you time to get out so that they're not following you and just hanging out at the gate like what the heck where'd you go and then you know they might get frustrated and it's just it's a whole thing so just trust me on this one leave a pile of treats it also works as an end of session cue and it helps them understand okay that we're done now and are free to return to your regularly scheduled horsey things um (laughs) and At first, they're not going to recognize that that's an end-of-session cue, but over time, they start to learn, okay, when I get the pile, we're done for the day or for the moment. And so just take, like, a little break. If it took, like, 20 minutes to get targeting and you're like, wow, that was exhausting, (laughs) um, you can save the next step for the next day. Or if it took, like, 5 to 10 minutes, then you can just take a quick little break, go get some water or a snack, and then come back and um, then start with manners. So... Um, The other thing that I forgot to mention is that work with targeting on both sides. Make sure you're able to work with it all around the horse because it's it's so funny about horses. They learn something so well on one side and when you switch sides, they're like, what? (laughs) I've never learned this before. What is this foreign concept? Targeting is a little... It it works from both sides, but just do it from both sides to be safe. Um, So... Once the horse has gotten that down super well, every time you're presenting the target, they are very consistent. They go straight to it, and it happens every time. You're probably ready to move on to step two, which is the manners lesson. So this can be a little arbitrary for horses, and that's why I don't recommend starting with this. So going into the manners lesson, if you've done the targeting um, predecessor, you know that the horse understands what the clicker means. It means you've done the right thing and treats are coming. Um, So when you go into manners and you click, they're like, oh, okay, perfect. I know what's happening here. It's the same thing. There's just no target. (laughs) And then that also transfers into other behaviors. But this will be the horse's first experience, realizing that the clicker means this I've done right and it's not exclusive to the target. So the biggest reason we teach manners is obviously because nobody wants a cookie monster horse. Nobody likes the horse being in their space. They're very large and we don't like them being all over us and mugging for treats. Um, So the way we teach manners, or at least the way I do, is over protected contact. So I'm outside the stall or paddock and the horse is inside. Um, You know, they come over and they hang their head over the stall door and I stand sort of at their shoulder. And what usually happens is they're like, hey, buddy, what's going on? I smell some alfalfa posts over there. What you got? Why aren't you giving them to me? Hello. And they sort of just like sniff you and they're like, what's going on? Why aren't you doing anything? And then eventually they sort of get bored and 
move away. And when they turn their head, they'll start turning at the opposite direction usually. But you want to click the moment their head is in between their shoulders. So you want the horse to be perfectly straight. And on the blog post, I have a picture of Zoe and I doing this. Um, and we're not over a stall fence. She's standing next to me doing it. <coughs> and we're in the same space. Um, sorry about the intermittent coughs. My throat gets really dry doing podcasts. Um, anyway, um, so you're standing next to them. And they have been all over you. And then you're just kind of waiting there. Again, if your horse is like likely to bite or gets very aggressive, you can stand a little further away from them. And then gradually work up to being closer. Um but let the horse move his head away and when his head gets in between his shoulders you're gonna have to be quick about this now because if you click too late then you'll teach them to move their head like the opposite direction of you and you don't want that you want them in the center of their body i'll explain why in a minute um so click and then they just go like what i got clicked that means food's coming and i did something right what was it (laughs) and Um, what's crucial here is to make sure that you continue feeding them away from your body. Do not feed them in the center of their body because, or in the center of your body, not their body. Um, because if you do that, then you're training the cycle of them coming and going and you're training them to keep their head away from you. But then if you feed them in like in your space, then you're just like being counterproductive. So When you click, they will likely come into your space, doesn't matter, get your treat, and extend your arm and feed them exactly where they were when you clicked. So head in the center of the body. And they will follow your hand, and then they'll get their treat. Um, This teaches them that you bring the food to them, they don't come to it, and um, then you no longer have a horse that is all over you for treats because they know that you bring it to them, and there's no point in being all over you for it because they don't get reinforced for that anymore. So... Again, standing on one side, just waiting, and the horse moves their head into the center of the body, click treat, and after they get their first treat, they will likely return to being interested in you. They will lose interest, move away, click treat, and make sure, again, that you're not clicking when the horse's head is away, and um, it's just in the center of their body. And then you feed them in that position. Don't feed them next to you. I cannot stress that enough. Um, And then gradually they start picking it up faster and faster and you can use a cue um i saw one girl that i shared my blog post with who used the word calm i use that for head lowering but you can use any word that you would like um i personally use body language um so if i'm standing next to the horse i'll tilt my shoulders like just swivel my upper body away from them Um, So if I'm standing with my right shoulder to their left, I move my left or my right shoulder away. I don't know if that's going to make any sense, but I face the opposite direction, essentially, like just a smidge, like just turn a little bit. And that's Zoe and Max Q to um, move away from me and just like put their heads in the center of their bodies. Um, So I, I think that that helps clear things up a little bit. Some people also like have a hand position where like, um, I know that's what Alexandra Curlin teaches because she calls this lesson grown-ups. Um, but you put your hands like just over each other in the center of your stomach and that can work too. Both of my horses just know that me moving my shoulders away is their cue to do that. Um, but 
I, I think that that also helps instead of just like randomly standing there a little bit, just having like a little, little body motion. And I feel like moving my shoulders away also communicates to them a little bit more that like I'm moving away from you. You should also do the same. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> um, so again, stand next to them, wait on them. And after you've had a few repetitions of them moving their head into the center of their body, they'll start catching on really quickly. And you don't have to wait for them to move their head out of the space to click again. So if their head is just hanging out in the right spot, you don't have to wait for them to come into your space again or anything like that. You can just keep clicking while they're in that spot. And um, if you find that they're just like not moving in that spot, you can maybe up the ante a little bit and change positions uh, relative to the horse. So you can switch sides, you can stand in front of them, you can take a few steps forward. And um, like I said earlier, when you switch sides with horses, they're like completely bewildered <laughs> and they're like, what? I haven't learned this before. And um, so make sure that you definitely do it on both sides. But this lesson, it's a little hard to explain, um, and I really recommend um, looking at the blog post so you can see, like, the pictures that I put up, and um, also when the video comes out, looking at that, which will be up on my YouTube. Um, but it just, it helps you conceptualize it, because this is a little hard to describe. But um, just to run through it one more time, your overprotected contact, standing next to the horse, Wait until their head is in the center of their body. Even if they're moving their head to swing it the opposite direction, you can still click when their head is in the center of their body. So, like, when they're on their way there, click. And um, then feed them away from your body and make sure that you have, like, whatever cue you want to use can be verbal or visual. Um, and it just, it, that helps clarify things as well. Um, so, yeah. And the reason that I don't teach the head away anymore because that's how I started and then I read Language Signs and Calming Signals of Horses by Raquel Dreisma. Don't know how to pronounce her name. I apologize for butchering that. <laughs> um, but he moving the head away can be like a horse's way of disarming and like a potential threat or enemy. Um, they It's their way of letting other objects or horses know that they don't want conflict and they're just like coming to check things out and um it can also be a communication of i'm a little bit confused or i'm nervous or i need a minute and um you don't want to reward that because if it becomes like a cued or learned behavior then it sort of blurs the line of when the horse is doing that to communicate with you um so you're not going to know when the horse is doing it because they need a break or if you've made them uncomfortable in some way or if they're just doing it because they're trying to get a treat you know so um make sure that you're not rewarding for head away because that can get a little confusing on your end and you would like to have the behaviors that they naturally use to communicate with you left intact so again with manners just keep clicking and reinforcing repeat 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 until the horse is really really consistent at it and is doing it like every time you're standing next to them they're no longer all over you for treats and then the next thing you can do if you want is start with a target and ask them to target it and then when you click um also cue the manners and then feed them away from you so that they also learn that when they're doing other behaviors not to be in your space just because you've switched to a different um a different cued behavior 
Um, that has come in really handy with me um, working with Zoe at Liberty because sometimes when we're like doing Liberty circles, trotting or doing something fast paced and I click, she can get excited and she'll just like forget for a moment and come into my space and like swing her head over. And I just like, at this point, it's just like waiting a beat and then she automatically corrects. She's like, oops, sorry. <laughs> and then moves her head right into the center of her body. And then I feed her out there. Um, so just remember that these steps are here to help you and they're here to help your horse. Um, following them to a T makes things so much easier. If you skip any of the steps or you forget the little like minutia, then, um, you might find yourself running into some issues like the horses, like swiveling back and forth between coming into your space and into that head position. So just make sure that you're feeding away from your body, keeping your horse your horse, your hand out of the treat pouch before, or until after you click and, um, that you're being really clear with your click timing. Um, so yeah, I think that that about covers everything. Um, and you know, this is something that is transferable to any part of riding. Even if you never use a clicker ever again, and even if you don't plan on continuing clicker training, or you just want to use it for say trailer loading or um, maybe the horse has a fear of water and you want to use clicker training for that. This is something that you still should teach, um, mainly because target training can really help with water and uh, trailer loading issues, but also that you are now able to work with food with the horse without them like mugging you and you're not worried about that. Um, so after you teach them not to mug you, you can start working in the paddock or in the stall with them and working on that same principle in there so that they learn that this doesn't matter it doesn't matter where I'm at. You still do not need to be over all over me for treats. You're not going to get reinforced for it. And then the horse is like, I have no reason to do that anyway, so I'm not going to. So, and you know, this ties back into what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast. You see how doing this, setting up the environment so that the horse is successful is a lot more effective than just punishing them for being in your space because punishing them doesn't tell them what to do instead. Whereas reinforcement, especially when you're working over protected contact, you are able to remove yourself in situations where you would otherwise maybe need to use punishment to protect yourself. So setting up the environment to make it successful for both of you is really important. So just trust me on the protected contact. I know it feels a little bit elementary, but it really does help. And then you are able to work anywhere. And these sessions generally, if done well, don't take long and you will only likely need a few of them and maybe a few refresher ones later on. Um, but the horses catch on super, super quick. We do not give them enough credit for their intelligence. <laughs> um, but, um, and this, I mean, it transfers and then you can do anything you want with treats. You can be on the paddock with them, running around with them at Liberty, what have you. I mean, the possibilities are endless so long as the horse understands what the clicker means and how to behave around treats. That is the whole purpose of how to get started. So make sure if you guys are interested to, um, head over to the blog post to give that a read over if you just need extra reinforcing information uh, and just make sure that you've really got it and also check out the video when that goes live. Um, I just really want to emphasize that the steps that I talked about are very important and I don't want you guys to go out and try it and fail and be like clicker training doesn't work and um, realize that there are a bunch of very important steps and if you do it right you will succeed I promise like you're it's it's not your horse doesn't like it or you're defective or something like 
Just make sure that you follow all the steps and then you've got it. It's just a simple cookbook for this is how it goes. Um, and then everything else gets more complicated. <laughs> but um, I just, I really want to emphasize that this is an important lesson to teach your horse. Even if you're not a clicker trainer and you don't want to do that, teaching your horse how to behave around food is like a really valuable skill. It's like a really valuable skill. <laughs> I said that like a valley girl. Apologize. Oh my God, my voice is going. <coughs> Sorry. Anyway. That is it. I have talked for long enough, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast, found it somewhat educational, and um, I really recommend reading my blog post because I feel like this was a lot more all over the place than that is. So go give it a read over and have fun with your horses. Be safe and uh, listen to me because I'm right. <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. Maybe a little bit. No, no, not really. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will check back in with you next Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Equine in Theory. Be sure to check me out on social media such as YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Jet Equithery. I also have a website called JetEquithery.com where I have available horses listed. I also have a glossary page to help you understand all of those wonderful terms like negative punishment, positive punishment, positive reinforcement, and all the good stuff. And I also have a resource page where you can find books and uh, podcasts and websites and articles and all the good things that you could ever want and more to get started created the page for people like me when I first started who had no idea where to look um I think that that is about it that's all the important things I've got um so yeah be sure to check all of that out and thank you guys so much for listening be sure to leave a positive review for the podcast it helps boost me in the algorithm and beyond that thank you guys for listening have a good one